Hello and welcome to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection. And I am your anchor host, Deb Bowen, and I am joined this week by my friend Roger Lockshear. Hi, Roger. Hey, Deb. How are you? I'm good, dear. Thank you so much for being with me. Folks, I know that we have been uh, missing in action for a while. Uh, There's been a lot of reasons, and I won't uh, give you all of the details for why that is so, but um, the short of it is that some of us, still more than six months later, are uh, recovering from a hurricane. Some of us have had health issues. Some of us have gone in other directions. Uh, lots, of, lots of things have happened with this team of us that are still good friends and have not been recording. But over the next couple of months, I think we have some really exciting topics for you. And we're really uh, looking forward to reconnecting with you via this podcast. And let me just say real quickly, and I'll talk more about this later, but how incredibly grateful uh, I am particularly for all of you who are followers of our Facebook page because I've had lots of nice conversations with folks there. So thank you all so very much. In this episode, Roger and I are going to discuss Um, something that I've done an episode on this, oh, I don't even know how long ago, but some time ago in the past year, about the information that I channel from a being that presents as Mary Magdalene. And so I want to give you just a little background on that in case you didn't hear uh, that original podcast episode about Mary and my conversation with, quote, her, or if you're not following my blog post on my website, which is another place to get some of this background material. So uh, let me just fill you in a little bit on what this is all about. On February 20th, 2016, I was meditating, as I have been meditating for many years, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came this voice that said, beloved daughter, I have information to share with you. And I went, wait, what? Who, what, what, who are you? <laughs> Where would you come from? What in the world is happening to me? <laughs> I thought I was losing my mind. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm too old statistically to be heading down the path of schizophrenia. What in the world is this? And, but I listened to what she had to say, and I wrote it down. And, and I say she because the voice comes to me in a feminine voice. And she said, basically, I have information that it, I'm sharing with lots of people all around the planet, so don't think you're unique. There are lots of people getting information from me, this Mary Magdalene entity, in lots of different ways in an attempt to reach lots of different people through lots of different mediums. And so... I don't mean medium in terms of somebody who talks to dead people. I mean modalities of of connection. And I said, okay. And so I started writing. And the information was absolutely fascinating. She initially began by explaining uh, some of the questions that I have always had about the historical Mary Magdalene's relationship with the historical Jesus and her role in the evolution of Christianity and her keeper, her job as the vessel 
of, of the Holy Grail, the vessel of the sacred trust um, that was bestowed upon her. So I've always been fascinated by, by that piece of, of the story of Mary Magdalene. But she made it very clear pretty quickly that that wasn't really what she came to talk about, that really what she came to talk about to me was information about how we must do something to love and care for each other and Mother Earth. And so early on, as these messages were flowing in, I, of course, called my friend Joel, the Christologist, and said, what in the world? I mean, have I lost my mind? And because he loves me, he told me I had not. And he told me I needed to get a piece of chiostolite, that that was a stone that was a connecting stone to Mary Magdalene. And I laughed, and I said, I have a piece of chiostolite. I've never worked with it. It's still in the little bag that it came in when Susan, our lovely friend Susan Bollinger, gave it to me. So I pulled it out, and I cleaned it. And since then, when I have meditated and been receptive to messages from Mary, I have held that stone in my hand. It is sitting in front of me even as we speak uh, in this episode. Uh, so, and Roger, you interrupt me anytime you want to do so. <laughs> I'm, I'm just enjoying <laughs> hearing this. This is just really amazing. <laughs> well, amazing was certainly were, was not the word I was using early on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was really very frightened, you know. I thought, what in the world? But the messages started coming more and more about um, who... Who, who are you really? That was one of my big questions was, wait, mm-hmm. you know, the historical Mary Magdalene is not sitting someplace talking to me. I mean, that's just not what's happening. So she began to explain that she was part of a collective of energy that she said, for lack of a better term that would help me understand it, she called the Galactic Council and that mm-hmm. she was a part of this creative energy um, off-planet, out there in the cosmos somewhere, that has um, a great desire for people on this planet to care for each other, as I mentioned, to love each other, and to love this planet, and that if that wasn't going to happen, then there were going to be dire consequences as we would perceive them as Earth beings. And Mm -hmm. so about the time that um, she started talking to me about that kind of what felt to me to be cataclysmic material. Uh, right. my, our lovely friend Dale Rutman, who was also a co-host on this show, uh, was also getting information from the being that, from whom she channels energy. And we started comparing notes, and we were getting the same information about raising our vibration, about the... Um, need to preserve water on this planet. And this Mary Magdalene being was saying to me, you're going to see a dramatic increase in the fight to save water in the next couple of months. And it was soon after that that the whole say, uh, water issue at Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota began to happen. And, um, and here where we live, we have Teflon in our river water, and I mean it's just right. Yep. So, and Flint, Michigan. I mean, on and on and on around the planet. What's happening with big corporations buying up water and single-use plastic, and what's happening to the ocean? And so, really, a lot of a lot of what she was 
saying to me originally and what she continues to say has to do with saving our environment. Uh, and I was saying to Roger before we came on air, folks, that, that it, even though I hear from her frequently and, and make notes like crazy, it seems to amp up this time of year. And I don't know if that's partly because we're heading into the Passover and Easter season, whether it's because this is the time of Earth Day, and so there's a more a greater consciousness of, of the planet and her needs. Um, so, so that's kind of the history of where I have been with this uh, for a long time, Roger. Yeah, it's very interesting, Deb. I, I mean, I find this whole um, this whole topic to be fascinating. Um, I know that you had started to share it with me a while back, um, and I and I find it uh, equally interesting that others are receiving very similar information. Um, that you know, those of us out there that do receive messages from time to time, there seems to be a focus on. Uh, and, and a very urgent need to focus on earth changes and what we're doing um, and our role in it and how we need to um, to, to make uh, very abrupt positive changes, um, both in, like you just said, to, in how we treat each other um, and how we're treating our, our environment. So, yeah, really very powerful, and it's, it's, um, it's fascinating. Well, it, it is, and I guess, um, you know, folks, if, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I love old rock and roll, and, and when folks would ask me about these missives that I was getting from Mary Magdalene, I would say, well, it's an REM song. It's the end of the world as we know it, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel fine, and I don't feel fine, <laughs> you know. Right, um, yeah. So that's really kind of where I was coming from from a long time, and then I thought, you know, if surely in the midst of what feels to me to be uh, chaotic and very disturbing information, there has to be hope. There just right. there has to be some hope. What can what can we do individually? And I'm talking everything from not using plastic bags or buying bottles of water. Uh, you know, I'm talking. I'm talking about that to sowing seeds, and 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 I know folks around the world are doing these things, but it's it's really a a dualistic uh, approach that I think she says we have to take, and one is yeah, the can, individual approach. Go ahead. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly what what I was going to actually um, pose the question is, um, because the the information that you've shared with me, the, the little bit you've shared with me, um, the things that I've heard from others um, that are getting similar or or I, in some cases identical uh, messages, um, the things that I've received, there there is an urgency, and it's and it can and it can feel extremely overwhelming. So what? What are you feeling, Deb? Are the are the actions that are um, that are going to help us move in in the right direction? Well, I think individually, um, the the notion of recycling, we're mm-hmm. way past recycling. Right. Don't use it in the first place. You know, just don't use it in the first place. Every once in a while, I go to um, YouTube or some sites on the internet. And look up people who live in who live their lives with zero or almost zero waste. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, you know. And that, that takes a really strong commitment, you know, um, to really do that. And even though we may think, well, you know, we're buying organic, here for example, organic deodorant, well, it's in a plastic container. Right. 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 So you make your own deodorant like my lovely friend Susan does. Um, right. You know, so you really, it's about being conscious. It's mm-hmm. so much of it is about being conscious. I, um, and it's hard because we're culturally bound with so much around mm-hmm. us um, that it's, it's difficult. I, I remember um, being in a restaurant some years ago, and uh, it was not a restaurant in our town that I frequent, but I was there with some folks who wanted to try it. And the waitress was telling us um, the specials, and the special was a fish I'd never heard of at the time. And mm-hmm. I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. And she said, oh, it's a local fish. Now, folks, I'm on air, and so I will not tell you the exact words I said <laughs> to her because it was not nice, I confess. But, but you can imagine. And, and I said, no, it's not. I grew up fishing in these waters all my life. Try, try, all yeah. my life. Try again. Yeah. And she came back and she said, oh, it's a farm-raised fish from Chile. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no. Right. What are we doing, you know? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there is a movement, for example, on the island that I live on and some just a little north of us where we, we catch local and we eat local. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that matters. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of consciousness. I agree. I, I, I agree. Um, I think supporting local um, small farmers um, and fishermen uh, and, and supporting, you're not only supporting a local business, um, the, the amount of waste and the mass packaging thing is almost, there, there's almost none uh, right. because, because you're buying local. It doesn't have to travel any distance. Um, talking about the, the, the single-use thing. Um, and by supporting organic farmers and local farmers, um, we're supporting a, um, a practice, right, a, 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 a style of farming uh, and a sustainable one. So we're supporting and encouraging sustainable practices um, by being conscious of those, you know, buying local um, and supporting those local farmers and fishermen. Um, so it kind of goes across the board, right? And so I think that I, I think that on and on some on some level, I think people see the um, the immediate kind of health benefits to buying organic foods, you know, um, for instance. But beyond that, it's not just about the health uh, or the the lack of pesticides and things on your produce, but you're also supporting a healthy business practice in that. Um, and a sustainable one. So it kind of goes beyond. It has multiple, multiple reasons and multiple levels as to why it's important to to um, to focus on those on, on on what we can do. And that's something we can all do, which is support local local farmers. True, absolutely. You know, there are two books that that, um, and I'm really moving off of my Mary Magdalene topic here for a minute. Mm-hmm. But two books that I really recommend that people take a look at, and Michael Pollan. Uh, has written, it's P-O-L-L-A-N, I believe, 
and he's written a lot of books on this topic, but the first one of his books that I read on this topic was called Omnivore's Dilemma. Mm. And, and he questions, what do we do uh, to, to, to follow the practices that you and I have just been talking about? And, and he began the book, his intent was to go to an Iowa farm, for example, and find an ear of corn and trace that ear of corn to its final destination. Mm. And he found out very quickly that that was impossible to do. Wow. And because of, of big mass farming mm-hmm. and you know and processing and so forth so so that spurred him to write omnivores to limits a great book and then the other book i really always recommend that people read is the name of it is animal vegetable miracle it's by barbara kingsolver mm-hmm. and she and her husband and her two children her, her daughters one of whom was a teenager one was i don't know nine or ten i think uh, made a commitment to live for a year on local food only. Wow, and they ended cool. up raising chickens and turkeys and vine. You know, it was, it, the, the, the book is beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and that's powerful. It is powerful. She was giving a lecture to uh, or talk to a group of school children about what her family was doing, and she had a carrot in her hand. And uh, it was she just pulled it out of the ground that morning in a little kid in the classroom said "Ooh, it's dirty and the, you know children don't know that food comes from the dirt you know right so I think right. I think that's a you know that kind of thing so yes in terms of in terms of food in terms of what we uh, consumerism in general I mean how much stuff do we really need you know mm-hmm. how, right. how do we spend gasoline you know uh, so yeah on a personal level planting seeds in our own yard I mean there's so much to um, to what we can do individually. But, but the other thing is, of course, to look at large-scale pollution and what we can do about that. Um, you know, if we, if we don't buy it, they can't sell it. Right. Whatever it may be. Right. Whether it's polluting energy down to clothes that are uh, made with fabrics that are filled with chemicals. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I think that this is where um, where we can move from a place of feeling overwhelmed with the you know just looking out our our, our own windows and um, in our own communities and 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 globally what's going on and how how we're really in dire situations kind of across the board with our environment that can be overwhelming but we also need to to get the fuel and the fire going so that we can take action, right? And knowing that individual action ultimately leads to a global change, but it requires everybody to take their, to do their part, right? And so instead of getting kind of feeling overwhelmed and going from a, coming from a place of taking no action because it's like, well, what is just my, what, what, how am I going to make a difference? just because I'm choosing to buy local, how is that going to change anything? You know, um, but it's because it requires each person to t- to do their part. And, th- and then we kind of get over that, uh, you know, we, we, we start to move the mountain, so to speak. Right. Exactly. Um, by our individual exactly. actions. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I think about Rachel Carson and her amazing book, Silent Spring, 
and Under Sea Wind and, and so many other things that she, she wrote and did. I mean, we owe Rachel Carson's the debt of single-handedly stopping spraying of DDT. She, mm-hmm. she did that, you know? Right, she did that. right. Um, yep. we, where you and I live, uh, the brown pelican was almost extinct because of the DDT. And wow. yep. after, after that was stopped, we began to see rookeries on, on islands and, and so the brown pelican res, did a resurgence. And so I, I tell that story, and I know when I've told it in uh, classrooms, and people will look at me and go, well, on the big scheme of things, why does it matter whether or not we have pelicans? Well, it, it matters <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it does, because each thing has its place, right? Yeah. Everything has its place. Nothing was put here accidentally. You know, we all, right. we, everything has its purpose and its place. And uh, whether we understand it or not is irrelevant. That's, that's not the point, right? <laughs> it's that's that right. each thing has its place. Whether we understand what that greater thing is, we don't, we don't need to know that. We just need to respect that each thing does serve a purpose and have a place and is equally important. Um, yeah. Deb, can you share with, with, with us a little bit um, more about kind of the messages that, you, that you've been getting um, um, and whatever that looks like? Yeah, I can. Um, a, a lot of, for a long time, I was getting messages from her uh, specifically about saving water. Okay. That was, that was her big focus, was, was saving water. Uh, because without water, we don't have a planet, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she was talking about, she talked a lot about um, the corporations buying up water rights. And, um, for example, the CEO of a corporation a while back said, the time will come where if you want water on this planet, you will buy it from me. Yeah, that's nice. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah. <sighs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so what do we do to make water clean and accessible to everybody? It was a, right. a big focus that she she went with, but she also went with with several sessions that I had with her, where she talked about the need for us individually to raise our vibrations, such and to do to do that with a particular formula that she gave me, and I'll put this uh, again on my blog in the next couple of days, um, where we can raise our vibrations by an elixir of water that has been toned to a certain hertz using Herkimer diamond. Oh, and, interesting. And I will t- yeah. And I will tell you that um, when I am consistent with following her instructions with that, the world is different for me. It, it, I am lighter. I feel mm-hmm. lighter. I feel more uh, aware and connected to the natural world around me. It's almost as if, um, okay, here's an example. I, I live in a, in a lovely place where there are trees growing all in around my house. And mm-hmm. so any day and every day almost, I go out and I touch my trees and I talk to them and, and I say good morning and, and whatever. And I can feel when I put my hand on the trunk of the live oak tree that is literally within two feet of my door, I can feel the energy pulsating through that tree. 
But when I am consistent with the elixir water that um, and and have that energy vibration raised, uh, not only can I feel the energy of the the tree pulsating when I touch the trunk, but it's almost as if I can see the aura of the tree. Um, wow. I can feel mm-hmm. and sense that connection that we all have with the trees and, and awareness of their connection with each other. You know, I've been using for years a grounding exercise, and I know you have too, Roger, but we talk about imagining that our feet are, have roots on them and we're connected underground mm-hmm. to everything else that is. Well, science has now proven that that's real. Yep. Yep. Isn't Thank that cool? you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> Right? It is. It is. Uh, it is. And so, so when we are consciously changing the rate at which our energy field vibrates and, and raising it, making it higher, then we approach the world around us in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see the world through different eyes and through more gentle and kind eyes than we do if we are down here in the depths of gunk that we right. many of us typically live in doing what we do every day. Right. I like to use the term, um, I like to say don't contribute to the chaos pool. So if, if what you're seeing out in the world uh, is bothering you, don't contribute by doing more of the same, right? If you're seeing things in the world that aren't working for you, that clearly aren't working for lots of us and for all of us, we're not going to fix any of that by being contributing to that, by being of the same mentality or, you know, the fight fire with fire mentality does not work. We have to change our ways, right? We have to, we need to inject compassion for ourselves and then our those around us and then act on those things right act and behave in such a way that that is truly the opposite and moving in directions that are healthy and positive and restorative and balancing for ourselves and the planet absolutely absolutely let's let's take a break roger and and tell folks about some stuff that you and i've got going on and when we come back Let's move into a discussion about that balance because she certainly has talked about that too. Um, that sounds great. Folks, you are listening to Deb and Friends Quest for Connection podcast. And this episode is about uh, my connection with uh, information from a, uh, an entity that presents as Mary Magdalene. And my co-host this week is Roger Lockshire, who is a shamanic practitioner. You can connect with us through this podcast, which is available on iTunes and on Blog Talk Radio. You can connect with us on Facebook, uh, which is Deb and Friends Quest for Connection. You can certainly email us at debbowenandfriends at gmail.com. So we would always love to hear from you in uh, many different ways that you can connect with us. Roger, tell them what uh, you're up to. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, our (laughs) listeners can always uh, connect with me online online. Uh, through my website, shamanfire.net, or shamanfire on Facebook. Um, I'm um, located in southeast North Carolina, so for folks that are listening in that area, um, I'm available uh, in person at uh, Mystic Elements in Wilmington, North Carolina, every week for healings and rune and oracle readings. Um, 
and I also provide those services online. So for folks who are um, who are listening from other areas of the states or around the world, um, online via Skype or FaceTime um, works out really nicely. And uh, and I I enjoy uh, connecting with folks from all over, and it's it's been really exciting. Uh, what an amazing process that has been um, through this through this podcast. Um, um, connecting with lots of listeners. So, um, and I look forward to continuing that in the future. Great. Tell them your website again, Roger. Yeah, it's shamanfire.net and also uh, shamanfire on Facebook. Oh, and there's one other thing I'd like to bring up. Uh, this July, uh, I will be in um, Atlanta, Georgia, the, I think it's the 19th through the 21st of July, uh, at a conference called Mystic South. Uh, and I think this is their third year, and it's a big spiritual gathering. There's lots of uh, workshop presenters and vendors and things. And so if anyone's looking for a spiritual, uh, nature-centric kind of um, conference, that's uh, Mystic South, and it's in Atlanta, Georgia in July. Uh, and I'll be presenting a few workshops. And um, so I'd love to, to meet with some of our listeners at, at that event. Wonderful. Congratulations on being accepted to present at that Yeah, event. thank you. That's great. That's wonderful. Good for you. I have a couple of things coming up, folks. I am um, I'm taking a break for April and May in terms of teaching classes or, or any of the things that I typically do and did all winter. But I am doing two things that I want to tell you about. On Thursday, the 18th of April, uh, at 1.30 in the afternoon is my monthly Deb and Friends Quest for Connection book club. It's all via, taught via telephone, so all you have to do is dial into a telephone number and you'll be connected to folks and we'll have a conversation this month and next month, April and May, because it's such an <clears throat> intense book. We're splitting it up into two months. We are discussing The Dance of the Dissonant Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. The Dance of the Dissonant Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. If you want to join in on that conversation, <clears throat> you'll need to email me and um, by April 15th so that I can send you the call-in information and the questions, the prompts for, um, for our conversation. So uh, by April 15th, if you want to join in that conversation and have read the book, I'd love to have you come along with us and talk about it. Our, again, the email address for that is Deb Bowen and Friends at gmail.com. And then I'm so excited about this because some folks have asked me to do this, and I'm really honored to, to provide it. <clears throat> On Sunday, May 5th, in the afternoon, I am doing an afternoon that is a celebration of Crohn's. And this will be a face-to-face afternoon event at Mystic Elements, where Roger works, uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And we will spend some time talking about what it means to be a crone. The word comes from the Celtic. It means wise one. So uh, I had somebody write me a note the other day that said, oh, I have such a hard time with that word because I think of it as an old haggard witch. And I think, oh, dear, <laughs> okay, well, no, that's not what it means. Um, crone, is, crone is about accepting one's place as a wise one in the world. Uh, but it's Sunday, May 5th. We'll spend some time in conversation. We'll spend some time in ritual and celebration. We will make crowns and we will celebrate being the wise ones that we are. 
So if you are um, interested in joining me for that event in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, you can go to my website. It's debbowen.com and take a look at it, and that will direct you to how to register and, and whatnot for it. So would love to have you join me for that event as well. And Deb, that is that is open to uh, to wise ones in the community, both female and male. Is that correct? It sure is. Okay. Yep. I, and I just wanted to clarify that because I think sometimes with the word crone, um, sometimes uh, some folks hear that word and and um, immediately attach that to just the female. Yes. Right. Right. Yep. Nope. Nope. Means wise one, Gen- yep. whichever gender. Uh, so yeah, everybody's welcome. And if you and and if you ask me how old you have to be to be a crone, my answer to that is if you think you are one, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean it. You know, there, there's yeah. lots of, of cultural uh, thoughts about what it means to to be a crone, and you have to pass, sure. pass menopause, for example, or you know, or past fifty or whatever. And the answer is no. If you if you think you've reached that point in life and want to celebrate where you've come along in your journey. Come on, I'd love to have you join us. Cool. So there you are. Yeah. So, Roger, about that balance thing, because she does talk a lot about finding balance of fire, air, earth, water, and spirit, yeah. uh, of mother, maiden, crone, of mind, body, spirit, of you know, finding, finding that place where the pendulum finds center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember... Um, the first time I held a pendulum over a location that I knew was on a ley line, on a, on a sacred um, part of the earth energy grid, my pendulum didn't move. Mm-hmm. It wow. just stood stock still. And I thought, what in the world is this about? And so I did some homework and learned that that's what pendulums do when they truly have found a center point, a, a true balanced place on the planet or in a situation. Right. And so she talked a lot, she's talked a lot about finding that balance point and that center point in our lives. And she talks, of course, about how out of whack the earth itself is uh, and how out of balance so much of the planet is. But also, what do we do individually? Again, it, so much comes back to, to what we individually do um, to find that balance in our lives and to radiate right. that balance to the world around us. And what, what, is that, what does that look like for you, Deb, in that, or, or what you've been, um, the information that has come to you? What, what does that exactly look like? What, what she has said to me, and I, I'm using the word she here because I don't have another piece of language for it, but, but what I receive is that it's about being still. Mm. It's about slowing down, calming down, just letting the world be around me and paying attention, really paying attention. I, I was walking on the beach with a friend the other day and I was not paying attention. I was very focused and looking for one particular thing in a shell bed that we were, we were in. And, uh, and I missed this amazingly huge, beautiful, old black moon shell. 
mm-hmm. that my friend picked up and she said, look at this. And I'd walked right past it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's amazing. It's gorgeous. Wow. Where was I that I didn't see that in my head? Because I literally walked right past it. Right. What did I miss? And so that, that brings to mind what do I miss all the time? What don't I see in the natural world around me? What don't I see or hear or feel within me? Uh, how do I create sacred space in my home? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do, I, how do I then take that out into the world? in a way that is kind and gentle. And I, I don't succeed at that. I, I, I know I don't. It's harder than, um, it, it's, it's harder than it, it, it seems, right? It's, it's harder than just saying to, to be balanced or to, to, to walk uh, and be still and with eyes open. And it's, it's, it actually takes effort to do that, right? It actually takes yeah. in clear intention very, very clear and, and consistent intention to to have that awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely it does. And, and what she said was that often when we are rushing or when we are not in that place of balance, that, it, that, that imbalance comes from a place of fear. Right. So on one hand, and, and this has, I think, been part of my dilemma with these messages that I have gotten, is that sometimes I feel very conflicted. My understanding of the message is very conflicted. Because on one hand, I get Leorian's song, you know, the world is coming to an end and you guys need to get on it. And on the other hand, you need to slow down and be and pay attention and care for each other and care for yourself and the world around you. And, and finding center point, that balance point, between those two thought processes is, is, is hard for me. Mm. I think it's hard for lots of us, right? I think that's, that's I hard. Think so. I think that's, that's a hard thing for probably most, most folks on the planet right now. Yeah. The idea of being present, right? I think that's, that's a, a good word to describe what you're, what you're mentioning also, right? Being fully present. Yeah, it, 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 yes, that is, what, that is what I'm talking about. That's certainly what she was talking about. And how do I, um, well, wait, before I get into that, Joel has this wonderful, uh, our wonderful friend Joel has this great phrase that he reminds me of when I get out of whack. And it is, push pause, hmm. be present, see the spirit. Yeah. Well, gee, that's great and lovely and wonderful, but you know, it's really you know hard to do when I'm like on the toilet paper aisle in the grocery store. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the reality yeah. of the day to day kind of comes crashing in. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know in in your house with kids and family and stuff going on in your world. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. How do you how you do it? Yep. Right, and and I think that um, it, because we have to be we have to be conscious of it first, right? We have to be conscious of the fact that we need to we we actually have to do the work to be present. It's not 
we've we've gone so far from our set point as as sentient beings on this planet. We've gone so far from our set point that we it's hard to actually just be and be present. And yet that's when we look when we look at other life forms on the planet, that's inherently what other life does. They're constantly present. And I I believe that we were at one time. Um but we've missed that. We, we, we've really, you know, speaking on the whole uh, pendulum thing, we have really swung in, in, in one specific direction. Um, and and it's, it's a challenge to get back to that set point. Absolutely it is. It really is. And, and how, how do we change our priorities on a daily basis? to make this commitment to connectedness to to being aware of our responsibility on the planet right our top priority right how do we do that when right you know no i can't do that right this minute i'm 10 minutes late to a meeting i gotta go to you know mm-hmm. yeah i think like what you're saying i think acknowledging that it that it needs to be a priority is a, is a, a step in the right direction Right, acknowledging that this needs to be priority, um, and then moving it up the priority list, <laughs> so to speak. But we have to at least mm-hmm. acknowledge that it needs to be on the priority list, um, and realize how important that um, being present and being mindful is. Um, where that in, a, in a, of itself, you know, like we said, is is hard to do. But I think it's part of it is because it's not on our priority list. It's just it's right. for a lot of folks. It's just not on the list. There's a million other things that um, that become priority in anyone's you know uh, on any given day. Um, you know, Roger. Every time I talk to you, I am reminded that you get up like really early in the morning so that you have quiet and meditation time before your family starts to rouse. Yeah, and that er- that really early time has been inching. <laughs> later and later over the past six months or so, um, I really got thrown off, Deb, after, uh, during the hurricane when we all evacuated. Um, oh, yeah. It, re- it really threw me off because we, we evacuated and, you know, all of us and, our, and our, our dogs and cats and everything, we're all living in a hotel. And so it really, it really you know, kind of screwed things up. But I do, um, I do make it a point to before I take my feet and sit them on the floor each morning, I still do my meditation. Before I start my day, I still take time to have that personal space to, to kind of um, have stillness, to set intentions, and to have moments of gratitude, which are really, I, I feel are real important each day mm-hmm. of, of, of being able to go, go through the list of what we're grateful for because um, it's, I, I just find that to be really, really important. I think that's, for me, that's a priority is, is having that gratitude every day. Yeah, I agree with you. It sure, it sure is. And, and you know, um, I used to be a real morning person when I mm-hmm. worked. I was at work at 6.30 in the morning. Right. And when I left my job, I thought, oh, I don't have to do that anymore, no more. Well, <laughs> every time I talk to you, I think, oh, you know, I would love to get up and go watch the sunrise. 
And I would if they made it later in the day, you know. But they, <laughs> <laughs> sunsets um, are equally think, as beautiful, though, right? <laughs> but I do watch the sunset every day yeah. in some way or another yeah. out, out over the water. Um, but but my point being with that 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 sets the tone for your day. It does. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I have joined a group of, we've created a group where I live of um, artists and writers who are working our way through the artist way. Mm. And I've tried it before. I've, I've tried to work my way through that. If you're not familiar with it, it's a great uh, tool. I, I have it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Julia Cameron is the author. Um, yeah. But I tried it before and failed miserably because I'm not disciplined enough, because, because, because. Uh, mm-hmm. But having a group of folks to be, to whom I'm accountable has helped right. uh, with that. You know, that's, that's helped. And, you know, you're supposed to do them before you, your mind really kicks into gear. That hasn't worked out too well. I still have to have coffee first. But, uh, mm. but at least, you know, I, I think of it as a way to structure my day such that I am present in that very moment at least for a little while while I write these three pages every day mm-hmm. and and I like that so um, I would just invite people to to think about ways in which they can begin to find balance in a way that honors themselves and I think that when we do that we begin to honor the world around us and and, and people we love around us yeah I agree and for for our listeners, I mean, we live we live in a busy in a busy world, and, and we have busy lives. And um, it doesn't have to be a large amount of time every day, but having that consistency goes a long way. So even yeah, if I it's only it five or ten minutes, that time to give just to yourself, to have that stillness, or to have a few moments of gratitude or have a few moments of intention setting, that does not need to consume a great amount of time out of someone's day. And everyone has mm. 10 minutes um, each day. Um, you can do it in the shower. You, you can, can do, do it while the, the coffee is baking. And, 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 right, and spirit and energy don't see time the way we do. Right? They don't play by the same rules. So it doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes or an hour. That's that's not the point. It's the it's the actual act of doing it and being consistent with it. That's important. Right. And you know, I think too, Roger, is that when we do this, these things, and, and we really do um, practice that notion of loving kindness. And by the way, in my sweet little town, there are signs that appear periodically in people's yards on corners that just say loving kindness. I don't know who's putting those out, but I want to find out because I love that. That's um, great. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah. so I, just, I just love that. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and in fact, I'm going to a workshop on Earth Day, as a matter of fact, with a group of folks where we're going to paint peace poles. And if you're not familiar with the peace pole movement, it's a lovely, lovely movement. I, we, we have, there's several in, in the town in which you live, Roger that are in public mm-hmm. places and churches and temple. Uh, Jewish temple has one downtown. Nice. Um, and then, uh, so, um, 
anyway, I'm going to paint peace poles, and I'm and we're hoping that we can arrange to put some in public places where uh, I live too. So I'm excited about that. But yeah. you know, if we um, if we focus on that sort of connection, as as I think this was really bottom line of what I've gotten as we're beginning to wrap up here, the bottom line of what I've gotten from Mary Magdalene over the past few months has been live kindly, live gently, be present, be balanced, be aware and of your world around you, and act as if. Just act as if that that all of this matters. And that then that the political strife and the uh, violence and, and all of that in the world that we I can't even begin to touch on in this hour today. Mm-hmm. But act, act as if what you do matters and that it has a ripple effect. We really are all connected. Yeah. I, I, that really resonates for me. That, that really does. And, I, and I, I believe that to be true. And I appreciate um, I appreciate you sharing the little bit that you did today in this conversation, um, and um, I think this is this could be a, a conversation that is uh, uh, continues maybe at some point. Um, oh, it is as, absolutely as things evolve, and uh, yeah, and no, I think this is uh, I think it's powerful, and I think it's I think it's needed, right? I think that that you sharing this um, with our listeners um, who will hopefully um, put some of these things into action for themselves and then continue to share that with others because that's really what it comes down to also, right, is that if, we, if we're connecting with this, with this message that you're sharing with us that's, that's for everyone, um, it, it, as each person kind of, you know, takes ownership of that, and then they share it with someone. There's, there's your ripple effect, right? There's your, in a, in a real, a very real and tangible way. There's, there's the ripple effect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, thank you all for for listening and 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 being with us in this hour. Um, the first time I, on my Psychic Teachers podcast, when I sort of came out of the Mary Magdalene closet, I was terrified. And fortunately, mm. I got some, I mean, really, I mean, you know, this is kind of scary. Yeah, but I got some really nice feedback, and, and I did from the first one of these episodes that, that I talked about with here on Quest for Connection. And, and, and I hope that uh, you'll do some research and look at how this is, whatever this is that's happening around the planet, and uh, that you too will become a part of at least the intent of all of this. So... Thank you all so much. Roger, thank you for being with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Deb, for having me part of this, uh, this really fascinating conversation. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, take care. Be good to yourselves and to each other. And keep questing. And I'll be back to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.